Welcome to Realm of Faith Radio. One time, they brought one man to lake. The man's leg was decayed. You could put your finger here and it'd come out the other side. Lake laid hands on that leg and instantly the man was healed. One time, they, he did something with an, he did an um, EEG. They connected stuff to his brain. And, um, you know, he now will pray in tongues. When he did, those guys were amazed. He said, you have the highest mental capacity. You know, he will start talking in tongues. When he starts talking in tongues, their machine will start deflecting, meaning that there's some impulse here that's beyond. He said, this is abnormal. This is superhuman. Welcome to Realm of Faith Radio with Reverend Talks and Akuna Dejumo. Right now, here's Reverend Talks with today's message. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you please, to our golden text. For this, Mark chapter 16. Mark 16. And um, we'll look at verse 17. Mark 16, 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Heavenly Father, thank you for another opportunity to study about tongues. Thank you for giving us insight into your word. And we won't just be hearers of the word alone, but we doers of the same as well. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Paul, like we also saw in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, he said, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than ye all. Now, if Paul spoke in tongues more than the Corinthian church, he must have done an awful amount of talking in tongues. Yeah. Are there benefits to speaking in tongues? Certainly. First, we uh, see that it's the initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 2 forces, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So it's initial evidence of being baptized in the Holy Ghost. Then secondly, we said that it's a means of spiritual edification. 1 Corinthians 14.4, the Bible says that he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. He charges up himself like a battery. He builds up himself. So God has provided a divine means of supernatural communication with himself, where we can have heart-to-heart communication as lovers and just fellowship with our Father. Amen. Praise God. So it builds us up like an edifice. It charges our spiritual batteries. Then we said, number three, that speaking in tongues is a means of praying in line with God's perfect will. Romans 8, 26 and 27. The Bible says that, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what to pray for as we ought. But the spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That is uttered in articulate speech. Uh, 27 says, but he that searcheth the hearts, knoweth what is the mind of the spirit, for he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So when we pray in other tongues, we're praying in line with God's perfect will, with God's perfect will. Imagine, like I said, yeah, writing an exam, you taught the course, you set the exams, you designed the marking scheme, you wrote the syllabus, and you're sitting the same exam and you're the one who's to mark it. You'll, you'll get 101%. Yeah, praise God. So when God is divinely inspiring us to pray and he's the one who's going to answer it and he's the one who's doing the praying, he ought to know how it ought to be said. 
And sure, he does. So God, the Holy Spirit, equipping us and enabling us to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. He sure will get the job done. Praise God. Then number four, uh, we said speaking in tongues helps remind us of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, if we're conscious of the fact that the Holy One lives in us, we're going to live holy. Reminds us of his indwelling presence. First Corinthians 3.16, the Bible says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. So, it reminds us of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Keeps us conscious of his indwelling. Then, we said also, number five, that speaking in tongues stimulates our faith. Now, it doesn't give us faith. Faith doesn't come by praying. Romans 10.17 says, So then, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the word of God is the food of faith, is the basis of faith. However, praying in tongues stimulates our faith. It stimulates our faith. It helps us to act on what we know. Amen. It stimulates our faith. Then we said that number six, it helps prevent contamination. It helps prevent contamination. First Corinthians 14, 28. Bible says, but if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. So sometimes, like um, I was in the Baba's shop, what day was it? Just a few days ago, and they were showing all kinds of their music and all kinds of their stuff. You know, I was just ring quietly under my breath. My son and I were there, you know, to get our hair barbed, you know. So I was praying in other tongues. It just shields you from the vulgarity, profanity, from all that stuff that's happening around. And if you can keep silence in the church and speak to yourself and to God, you sure can. Keep silence in the plane and speak to yourself and to God. You can do it driving your car. You can do it, you know, anywhere, everywhere. Just praying in the spirit helps to prevent contamination. Then number seven, we said, Praying in other tongues helps us to pray for the unknown. Quite linked to the point we mentioned earlier, helps us to pray for the unknown. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what to pray for as we ought. Yes, we know how to pray. We pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. We know what to pray for. If you're sick, you know to pray for healing. If you're broke, you know to pray for money. If you're in a fix, you know to pray for help. But we don't always know what to pray for as we ought. So helps us pray for the unknown, things that our natural minds have no idea of. Ephesians 6.18, for instance, says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. How can you pray for all saints? Well, the way you can pray for all saints, one of the ways you can is by praying in other tongues. You can actually pray for all saints. And things our natural minds may not know to pray for Sometimes in my prayer time, oh, actually a part of my prayer time all the time is, Lord, anything you want me to pray about, anything, you know, any prayer assignment you have, anything that needs to be prayed for, I just trust you to help me pray it out. So it helps you to pray for things our natural minds are not aware of. Now, remember also 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayer, but my understanding is unfruitful. 15 now says, what is it then? I will pray with the spirit and I'll pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing 
with the understanding also. So I can pray with my spirit apart from my understanding. Things my natural mind has no clue about. In the Amplified Classic, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays. My mind is unproductive. It bears no fruit and helps nobody. So you see, I can pray apart from my mind. I can pray with my spirit. Things that my mind has no clue about. Praise God. So that's another benefit of praying in other tongues. Then number eight, we talked about the fact that it's a spiritual rest, a refreshing. Isaiah 28, 11 and 12. For with men of stammering lips and another tongue will I speak to these people. For this is the rest wherewith he'll cause the weary to rest and the refreshing. Yet will they not hear. And we saw from 1 Corinthians 14, 21, where this portion of scriptures was quoted that when he talked about stammering lips and another tongue, he was talking about tongues. Have you seen some people get filled with the Holy Ghost and they, they just stutter some words? Yeah, that's good too. Bible says with stammering lips and another tongue. So that's a part of it, you know? And one thing about praying in tongues is this. The more you practice praying in other tongues, the more fluent you get with it. And the more you feed your spirit, the better you feed your spirit because you're praying out of your spirit. So the better fed your spirit is, amen. It also becomes easier and better for you. Have had people ask about, they have a problem with fluency. Oh, it's just one syllable or two syllables they've ever uttered. Well, they should just practice praying in other tongues, amen. The Bible says with stammering lips and another tongue, will I speak to these people? Yet will they not hear? Amen. So you see, we can pray in other tongues. The Bible calls it the rest, wherewith it calls the weary to rest and the refreshing. So it's a refreshing. It's a refreshing. You know, so much turmoil, so much anxiety, so much panic that's in the world, so much fear that's all around. But you see, we can take this rest cure every time. We can take it anytime. Amen. We can take it all the time. Well, um, uh, number nine. So we're moving forward now. That was just a recap of things I said earlier. Uh, you know, and one thing about repetition is that that's the key to learning. Another advantage of praying in other tongues is that it enables us to give thanks well. It enables us to give thanks well. In 1 Corinthians 14, uh, verses 16 and 17, the Bible says, else... When thou shalt bless with the spirit, talking from the King James Version, when thou shalt bless with the spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou seest? For thou verily givest thanks well, but the other is not edified. So sometimes in praying uh, from our understanding, we're limited in our vocabulary. But when we pray in other tongues, we're able to give thanks well. We're able to offer Perfect praise to God. Perfect worship to God. Amen. Perfect worship. In Acts 10, 46, the Bible says, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. You know, we're on this last time. God can be magnified from his standpoint. It can't be any bigger than he is, but he can be bigger in me. He can be bigger to me. He can be bigger through me. I can give him praise. I can give him thanks. I can give him worship. Amen. When I pray in other tongues, when I pray out of my spirit. You know, in our natural vocabulary, we're limited. But thank God, the Holy Ghost isn't. Amen. And we can give thanks well. You know, we can sing in other tongues. I sing in tongues every day. Amen. I spend time praying in tongues every day. I remember one day, 
This was one Sunday afternoon, sometime in 1986. First time in my life, I decided I was going to pray in tongues for an hour. You know, my God. I said, all right, I'm going to pray in tongues for one hour. It was from 3 p.m. actually to 4 p.m. That Sunday afternoon, I was going to spend an hour talking in tongues. So I started praying, you know, three o'clock. Then um, after a while, you know, the Bible says to watch and pray, right? Yeah, so I was watching while I was praying, you know. So after a while, I said, I know this must be, I must have prayed. This was like 48 minutes. This must be like 50 minutes. I've already so far gone. Let me just watch a little bit and check the time. Guess how many minutes I prayed for? Eight. I felt like, show who sent me something. But you see, because of the kind of person I am, if I set my heart to do something, I do it. So he's like, eh? just eight minutes. How? So I continued. I continued. Then after a while, I said, I know I've exceeded an hour. You know, and I checked. Guess how many minutes? Twelve. <laughs> yeah. Now, so if you are there, I've been there. <laughs> I know it. Do you understand? It was like, oh God. <laughs> I will never try this again in my life. <laughs> oh God. God, just help me. Just help me. Just help me. You know, he that endeared to the end shall be saved. Just help me. You know. And I felt like if I can do this. You ought to write it in Guinness Book of World Records. That's how I felt. It would be a feat that I talked in tongues an hour. You know, somehow, somewhere, somehow, I managed. When I crossed that one hour, you know, I did. I went like a minute or two extra. It was like, ah, 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 ah. But you know, some of these things are spiritual exercises. Just like we exercise ourselves in the natural to keep fit. One of the best spiritual exercises that there is, is to pray every day in other tongues. It will do you personally a lot of good. I heard something Brother Higgins said. Kate McVeigh said the same thing. That all the greatest things that have happened to him personally, whether spiritual miracles, financial miracles, ministry miracles, healing miracles, directions, the greatest things that have happened to him personally happened after a protracted time of praying in other tongues. A protracted time of praying in other tongues. Amen. Personally. You know, I remember hearing Brother Hagin talk about the fact that before those camp meeting evenings, you know, how the Lord told him, actually it was in Man and Miracles that I heard this. He preached Man and Miracles, camp meeting 1978. If you get the man of miracles as available now, I'll tell you something. A part of it has been edited out. I heard the camp meeting version. There was a message in tongues and interpretation by Buddy Harrison and Pat Harrison that preceded the, the, in the tape, the original tape from 1978, because I got a hold of that tape, thanks to Reverend Emiko, you know. And, um, well, you know, he said how the Lord told him that for his crusades, the Orphids Crusades and the evening meetings, which he also began to do in um, the Holy Ghost meetings. And he talked a lot about this also. In He gave gifts unto men. That the Lord told him that for the night services, rather than preparing a sermon, he should prepare his spirit. And that he should just spend time 
you know, meditating, praying in the spirit, and that God will draw out of him whatever he wants for the people at that time. He said, so he will just pray an hour or two in other tongues, you know? So I wondered, an hour or two, you know? Then I, he made a statement in his mini book, White Tongues. He said he's found that the more he prays and worships God in other tongues, the more the manifestation of other gifts of the spirit he sees in his life. Really? And you know, the Bible says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. Galatians 6, 7 to 9. He that sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He that sows to the spirit will of the spirit will life everlasting. And the Bible says, do not be weary and well-doing. In due season, you will reap if you think not. And you also know the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, that he who sows sparingly, we reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully, we reap bountifully. Yes, the context is talking about money, you know, uh, uh, and also walking in the flesh, walking in the spirit. But you see, it also includes giving ourselves to the things of the spirit. If you sow to the spirit and you sow plenty to the spirit, you're going to reap a, a bountiful harvest. Amen. And I read something that um, John G. Lake penned. Lake said that tongues is the making of his ministry. Tongues, that's a man who had 100,000 converts in South Africa, established 500 churches, and an additional 125 churches, came back to Spokane, Washington. Spokane, Washington was declared the healthiest city in the world. In another five years, they recorded... 100,000 healings documented, 100,000. But if you want to listen to what a man like that will say, a baby was born one time. The skull was hall-shaped and um, kind of deformed. They took the baby to Lake. Lake laid hands on that skull and the, the bone softened and he remolded it and it had him back. And that's some power, you know. There was a time when he was in South Africa that he wouldn't lay hands on you. You dare not get that close to him. They'll put people at some distance. He will just point at them. And even then, the power of God will carry them from off the floor and throw them. And they'll be healed. You know, they'll be thrown so many feet away. God's power was so strong walking through that man. He talked about the lightnings of God. He talked about some phenomenal things. Lake was the one who went to South Africa and he challenged witch doctors individually and collectively. He'll go to their meetings. Yeah. He will say spiritist meetings. And like Brother Higgins said, he said, if you don't know who you are in Christ, don't do that. But Lake did. He knew something about being in union with God. He understood it. He knew something about the value of praying in other tongues. You know, so you want to listen to a man like that. One time they brought one man to Lake. The man's leg was decayed. You could put your finger here and it'd come out the other side. Lake laid hands on that leg and instantly the man was healed. One time they, he did something with an, he did an um, EEG. They connected stuff to his brain. And, um, you know, he now will pray in tongues. When he did, those guys were amazed. He said, you have the highest mental capacity. You know, he will start talking in tongues. When he starts talking in tongues, the machine will start deflecting, meaning that there's some impulse here that's beyond. He said, this is abnormal. This is superhuman. You know, Lake was the same person when there was the bubonic plague who uh, said if they took the froth that came from the mouth of someone who had just died with the live germs there, that if they put it in his hand, they should do some experiment and see what will happen. They did, and the germs were dead. You know, and Lake said that's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So you want to listen to a man like that. Lake's daughter, there was 
Brother Higgins' book, Out of Prayer, um, he kind of um, footnoted and he taught that book off of Wilfred Rett's book. Wilfred Rett was married to John G. Lake's daughter, Gertrude. You know, so she saw, Sean knew something about praying in tongues, knew something about praying in the spirit. Praise God. Glory to God. Amen. St. Wigglesworth, he raised 23 proof from the dead in his lifetime. 23 from the dead. Wigglesworth. They asked him, what's the secret of your success? He said, they said, is it pulpit etiquette? He said, he doesn't know what that is. They said, is it an education? He didn't have any. He was an unschooled plumber from Bradford, England. He said, then what's it? He said, it's tongues. I edify myself two hours in tongues in the afternoon. And I go to the meeting at night and I edify the people. You see, I heard statements like that. I heard when Brother Higgins said, he'll just pray an hour or two. And the more he prays and worships God in tongues, the more manifestations of other gifts of the spirit he sees in his life. And you know, there's just something about my personality. You know, my own makeup. If I'm going to do it, I give it everything. I'm an all or none. So I decided, okay, if just an hour or two is what produces those phenomenal things that happen, camp meeting evenings, those meetings, Brother Higgins meetings. So what if I tried three? And then one day I talked in tongues three hours. And I said, okay, what if I try four? Then one day I talked in tongues four hours. And I said, okay, what if I try five? Then one day I talked in tongues five hours, you know. One day I said, okay, what if I do seven? Then I did seven. Then one day I said, what about nine? Then one day I said, what about 10? Then one day I did 12. Then one day I did 15. Then one day I did 18. Then one day I did 19. Then one day I did 21. Then one day I did 24. And that's the longest I prayed at a stretch. I hope to break that record soon. Amen. I mean, I didn't sleep. I didn't eat. I didn't do anything. I just talked in tongues straight for 24 hours. And let me tell you what's interesting. The time I did 24 hours was actually easier than that one hour I did that first time. That's the truth. You know, so there's just something about practicing. You see, it's getting ourselves acclimatized to certain things. It's getting ourselves used to certain things. It's about breaking the sound barrier. Once they broke it the first time, that was it. You know, sometimes it's about crossing that barrier. Remember Jesus said something. He said when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, could you not watch with me an hour? Well, sometimes it's just good to take that literally. Well, I'm going to watch with you an hour. I'm just going to spend an hour straight with you. If you ask me, when it comes to time that we spend with God, just from the principle of the tithe, you know, just the principle of the tithe, a tithe is a tenth. A day is 24 hours. Well, you could say, should we tithe out of the gross or the net? That really you actually don't have 24 hours to walk. You sleep, you should sleep eight, you know. But let's say you sleep six. So that's 18 hours left. A tithe of 18 hours is one hour, 48 minutes. A tithe of 24 hours, you know, if you ask most people, they say it's two hours, 40 minutes. It's not. It's two hours, 24 minutes, you know, because 0.4 of an hour is 24 minutes. So that's two hours, 24 minutes. So that's like, if you spend an hour every day praying in tongues or two hours every day, you know, I think that's good, you know, and then not all that time, you know, you want to put the word first, right? So that's just my suggestion. When people ask me, how much time should I spend with God every day in the word and in prayer? Well, I tell them when it comes to meditating, start with at least 10 minutes or 15 and then grow, you know? until you're able to spend more time. But if you can spend 
an hour or two every day, or maybe like two and a half hours every day in the word and in prayer, you know? And that would mean like, if you're spending an hour, spend 30 minutes in the word, 30 minutes in prayer. You said, but should I be timing the time I spend with God? You don't have to, but should you be counting the amount of money you tithe in church? You don't have to. You could just empty your account, right? Now, of course, you know you shouldn't do that because you have responsibilities also in the natural. But I'm just saying, you also don't want to get legalistic, but something like a minimum daily requirement. Dr. Frederick Christie Price said this, you know, Dr. Price of blessed memory, that when he wakes up every morning, he will spend the first hour just lying on his bed talking in tongues. Now, he said his wife couldn't do that. She'll sleep off. That for his wife, she actually needs to get up you know, it takes her a lot more time to boot, go downstairs, you know, boil water, fix coffee. You know, different people are just wired differently. You know, someone asked me one time, he said, should I spend my time with God first thing in the morning or must it be first in the morning? I said, really, no hard and fast rules. Brother Higgin used to do most of his praying in the night because night was, he got used to being alone in the night when he was sick. That was the only time he was alone. So he did all his praying in the night. So after he got raised off that deathbed, he got used to that same thing. And he did a lot of his uh, study and praying in the night. It's just, you find what works for you. What works for you. But let's say you work very hard, you get home and you decide that your prayer time is in the night. That's going to be when you will sleep off. You know, so there are just some practical things to do also. People ask about, what, can I walk when I'm praying? The Bible says, when you stand praying. So you can stand when you're praying. And you can kneel when you're praying. For this cause about my knees. Ephesians 3.14, unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you can stand, kneel, lie down, do anything, but just make sure you're praying. If you're sleepy, don't lie down. I've wanted to pray before, and I needed to pray, but I was so sleepy. And I got under the shower and I just let the water be pouring on me and I, and I continued praying. It's like, sleep off here. You know, yeah. I've had to put my feet inside water. You know, they're just things you, if something is important to you and you decide to do it. Yeah, and remember, whatsoever a man sows, he will reap. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. But there's just something about acclimatizing ourselves to some of these spiritual exercises. They will make our lives better. Amen. So it's an excellent way of praising God, an excellent way of worshiping him. Some of us, like me, I don't have a good voice for music. If I try to sing, you'll know why I say that. My sister used to make fun of me that it's like, I can't get beyond a certain note, you know. I, I, yeah, and it's unbelievable. You know, I used to lead praise and worship. Don't tell anybody I told you, but I actually used to, you know. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's almost unbelievable, but you know, well, maybe they were just enduring me through that time. You know, who knows? You know, but it's an excellent way of giving thanks. Number 10, the 10th reason. Now, all this that I've given are in our private life. I'm going to get into the public side of tongues also and talk about the advantages of praying in tongues in public. 10, in James 3, 8, the Bible says the tongue is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Now, the thing is this. If you read James chapter 3 from verse 1 to about 12, you see the Bible was talking about the tongue and the fact that the tongue is the rudder. You know, it says, you know, many teachers, knowing we receive the greater condemnation, any man who can tame his tongue, the same as a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So we know that the tongue is the bridle. The tongue is the bridle. 
Amen. It will control our lives. It will control us. Amen. It will set our course. Now, the most difficult part of your body to tame is your tongue. Is your tongue. You know, what we say, what we don't say, how much we say, how much we don't say. And the thing is this, if you can control your tongue, you can control your life. You can control your flesh. When people have flesh problems, a big advantage is just spending time consistently praying in tongues. Just spending time consistently praying in tongues. What's going to happen? You see, when we pray in other tongues, we're yielding our tongues to our spirits. Our spirits are hooked up with our tongues. So our tongues are dominated by our spirits. And where do we get what we say from our spirits? From the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 14. If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit, by the Holy Spirit within me, prays. Acts 2, 4. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, as the Spirit prompted them to speak, as the Spirit inspired them. You know, so that's the Holy Spirit giving us the words to communicate with God. And listen, it will set the course of our lives. It will set the course of our lives. It will determine the direction our lives will go. Anybody who prays a lot in tongues is difficult for you to miss God. It's difficult for you to miss God because you, your tongue is under the subjection of your spirit. It becomes easier for you to be led by the Holy Ghost if you pray a lot in tongues. And I'm not talking about an occasional much praying in tongues. I'm talking about a habitual praying in tongues. See, prayer should be as enjoyable as eating, as natural as breathing. Amen. You see, Jesus said, my house shall be called of all nations a house of prayer. Listen, listen we are the house of God. We should be as individuals, also collectively, we are the house of God. You know, he didn't say my, my house shall be called of all nations, a house of the word. Yes, we put the word first. The word is our foundation. But he said this, that my house shall be called of all nations, a house of prayer. God is looking for a praying believer. God is looking for a praying company. A people that pray a lot. There are things that get settled. There are things that get sorted. There are breakthroughs that happen. When people spend much time praying in other tongues. And when they do it with understanding. When they do it with a revelation. When they mix faith with what they're doing. It will get the job done. Praise God. So we're able to pray out God's perfect will. We're able to pray in line with God's mind. We're able to pray out mysteries. Praise the Lord. Now also the thing is this. There is a public side to tongues as well. There's a public side to it. And that public side, what are the benefits publicly? Why should we pray in tongues publicly? What good will that do us? You know, why do people pray in tongues in a public setting? Isn't tongues just meant for the private life? You know, why should we do it also publicly? Why do we do it publicly? Those are questions that people sometimes ask. And I'll give a few reasons. Actually, I'll give four reasons why we pray in tongues publicly number one when people get filled with the holy ghost publicly they speak in tongues when people get filled with the holy ghost publicly they speak in tongues right like it happened on the day of pentecost acts 2 104 when the day of pentecost was fully come they all together one accord in one place suddenly came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting and they prayed unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them Verse 4 says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So all 
120 of them were speaking in tongues together. That's public. So when people get filled with the Holy Ghost publicly, certainly they're going to speak in tongues publicly. Amen. They're going to speak in tongues publicly. In Cornelius' house, that was a public place. You know, Cornelius, an angel appeared to him in Acts 10. And if you check the Acts of the Apostles, it's noteworthy that every time anybody had a vision in the Acts of the Apostles, they were praying. Now, can you pray to have a vision? You can't. It's God that allows those things as he wills. But it's interesting that every time somebody had a vision, they were praying. So maybe praying just exposes us in case God wants to show us something or tell us something. Now, do you have to be praying to have a vision? You may not be praying to have a vision. You know, praying while you have a vision. You may just be doing something else and God may give you a divinely granted appearance. But there's just something about if we'll take time, extra time to pray, amen. Certain things happen. Praise God. So in Acts 10, 44 to 46, the Bible says that while Peter yet speak, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word. And they that were of the circumcision, as many as came with Peter, were astonished that on their circumcision also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. If it says they heard them, that means that they spoke audibly to the point that people who were there could hear them. So that was publicly. And that was when these guys got filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, Acts 19 one or six, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came unto Ephesus, finding certain disciples. He said unto them, have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? They said, we've not so much as heard. Don't there be any Holy Ghost? Said unto what then were ye baptized? Said unto John's baptism. Said John, verily baptized, saying they should believe on him that's come after him, that is on Jesus. Says they believed and were baptized in the name of Jesus. Verse six says, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Verse seven says, and the number of the men was about 12. Now, if there were 12 men, there might have been, God knows, maybe 48 women and children. Just a guess. Amen. So that was public also. So those guys got filled with the Holy Ghost publicly and they spoke in tongues publicly. So that's the first reason people speak in tongues publicly because sometimes they get filled with the Holy Ghost publicly. And as they get filled with the Holy Ghost publicly, they speak in tongues also publicly. Now, what other reason is it that people speak in tongues publicly? Another reason is this. Sometimes a message is given in tongues with interpretation to bless the believer. A message is given in tongues with interpretation to bless the believer. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, the Bible says that he that speaks, uh, 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 he that prophesies edifies the church, speaks unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. Amen. Verse 5 says that I will that ye all speak with tongues, or rather that ye prophesied. For greater is he that prophesied than he that speaks in tongues, except he interprets. Now, what's that telling us? That tongues and interpretation is equivalent of prophecy. Now, 1 Corinthians 14.31 says that ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may be edified. So we know there is a place of prophecy in a public gathering to edify the saints. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, fall after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. So the Bible talks about prophecy and what prophecy does in a public gathering. Now, tongues and interpretation is equivalent of prophecy. So sometimes when we come together in a public gathering, a message could be given in tongues 
and it could be interpreted. Now, not all tongues is prayer. Sometimes tongues is a message to people. God could speak to you. You could even speak through your own mouth to yourself. Now, you know, for instance, 1 Corinthians 14, 13 says, let he that speaks in tongues pray that he may interpret. Every believer should be able to interpret his own tongues. Now, is it every prayer you pray in tongues that should be interpreted? No. It's not everything you say in tongues that needs to be interpreted. But sometimes there are things you say in tongues that God wants you to know the interpretation of. God wants you to know exactly what you said. Amen. And then a message could also be given in tongues publicly with interpretation. And that edifies believers. If prophecy is speaking to men to edification, exhortation, and comfort, and tongues and interpretation is equivalent of prophecy, and we can have prophecy in a public gathering, then we can also have tongues and interpretation in a public gathering. Now, the thing about tongues and interpretation is this. There is every believer in his own life. Then there's a manifestation of the spirit in a public gathering where somebody may stand up and give a message in tongues and the same person may interpret it or somebody else may interpret the message in tongues. Now, in 1 Corinthians 14, 27, the Bible says, if any speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or the most by three and that by course. It says, and let one interpret. It says, but if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church. And let him speak to himself and to God. So that tells us that to maintain good order, if up to three people have given messages in tongues in a public setting, don't join them to be the fourth. Just maintaining good order. Now, you know, of course, there could be a believer's meeting, which may be a little different sometimes. Well, 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says, I see them, brethren, when you come together, every one of you have the psalm, have the doctrine, have the tongue, have the revelation, have an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. So there could be those kind of meetings. But just as a general rule, if up to three people have given mess a message, giving messages in tongues in a public gathering, don't let there be a fourth. If something else needs to be said in tongues, it can be said through one of the people who had already given messages in tongues. And then the Bible says, let one interpret. Now, that doesn't mean that only one person should interpret all the three messages, but a message should be interpreted by only one person so that we don't have competitive interpretation. You know, that's just good order. So publicly, when people give messages in tongues with interpretation, it edifies believers. Then we also know that there's a ministry of tongues and interpretation that not everybody is called to. And some are called to that ministry, you know, and it's a ministry gift. Yeah, it approximates a lot to the office of the prophet, but it's not limited to the prophet's office. Every pastor should have tongues and interpretation. If you don't have it and you're pastoring, ask God, he'll give you. You need it. At least you need to be able to interpret the move of the spirit, the flow of the spirit in your own meetings as a pastor. You need to be able to have that also, amen, in a local assembly. So there is tongues and interpretation in the believer's life. Then there's tongues and interpretation as a manifestation of the spirit, you know, in a public gathering. Then there's a ministry of tongues and interpretation that some people may have where God uses them regularly in giving messages in tongues and interpreting them. Now, another um, aspect, uh, uh, another reason why people pray in tongues publicly is as a sign to the unbeliever, as a sign to the unbeliever. In 1 Corinthians 14, from verse 22, through to 25. 1 Corinthians 14 from verse 22 to 25. The Bible says, wherefore tongues are for a sign. So you see that as a sign, not to them that believe, but for them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Then if the whole 
If therefore the whole church become together into one place and all speak with tongues and they're coming, those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say, ye are mad? But if all prophesy and they're coming one that believeth not or one unlearned, he's convinced of all, he's judged of all and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he'll worship God and report that God is in our midst of the truth. Amen. So tongues we see also serve as a sign to the unbeliever. Tongues with interpretation. And sometimes just the tongues itself. I'll tell you a real life story. There was this Jewish boy. He had never been to church in his life. He was brought up to believe that Jesus is not the Messiah. You know? He didn't believe in the New Testament. He was in a public, in a church for the first time in his life one time. And while he was there, one lady that had just about a fifth grade education, like primary six education, that was all she had. She got up and gave a message in tongues. They waited for the interpretation. Nobody had the interpretation. So they felt, well, they missed the interpretation of that. They let the service go. Now, after the meeting, the young boy walked up to the pastor. He said, who was that woman? She spoke Hebrew, perfect Hebrew. He said, I'm, I'm Jewish. So I understood everything she said with some Aramaic too. He said, she spoke to me, actually. She even called my name. She said to me that Jesus is the Messiah and that he died for me and he wants me to receive him into my heart. The pastor said, okay, just so you know how much Hebrew the woman knows, let me take you to her. She tried to speak Hebrew to the lady. The lady was lost. She could see immediately that th this, <laughs> this is something else. So the pastor said, you see that thing? That's tongues with interpretation. It was referred to in the Old Testament. He believed in the Old Testament. So it was showed this in Isaiah 28, 11, and 12. And then much more was said about it in the New Testament. The boy came the next Saturday to church and he got born again. Yeah. So that is as a sign to even the unbeliever. Tongues and sometimes with the interpretation. You know, there was, <laughs> there was this pastor. You know, he was pastoring. <laughs> and then, you know, Brother Higgin was preaching in that church. And then he said something, you know, he said something about um, a situation that was happening in the church, you know. <laughs> you know, let me not give that story. I'll give another one. You know, there's a reason I won't give that particular story. I'll give another one. He pointed at one man in the service. He said, before you came to church this evening, you told your wife, all that that's going on in that church is just hocus pocus. I don't believe a word of it. You know, that's just conversation you have without just while you are coming. As soon as the man heard that, he ran to the altar. He got born again. God filled with the Holy Ghost instantly. How did you know that's what I said? That was, it was just the two of us. And my wife hasn't had time to talk to you. There were no cell phones where she could have texted you. You know, it was a sign. So sometimes tongues can serve as a sign even to the unbeliever. Remember Jesus said in Mark 16, 17, these signs shall follow them that believe. So it can be a sign even to the unbeliever. Praise God. And then the fourth and final reason why people pray in tongues publicly is that just in public prayers, meetings, Acts 4, 23, being let go, they went back to their own company, reported all that the chief priests and elders had said. And when they had heard verse 24, they lifted up their voice with one accord. 
So sometimes people say, hey, Paul said in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. So that through my tongue, somebody will be edified. Why are you even just speaking in tongues? You don't even know what you're saying. In the, in, in the day of Pentecost, the people there understood what they're saying. Nobody is understanding what you're saying. Have you heard that before? Have they come to tell you that kind of stuff? Yeah. Praise God. When they tell you, why are you praying out loud? You say, the Bible teaches that sometimes you can pray out loud together in corporate worship. Remember in Acts 16, 25, Paul and Silas, the Bible says they prayed and sang praises to God. The Bible says, and the prisoners heard them. So that was some public prayer. So we can pray publicly, corporately in other tongues. What has been the essence of this teaching? What's the purpose of it? Spend more time praying in tongues. Not just occasionally, but habitually. Amen. And what's going to happen? Like Howard Carter said, he says, speaking in tongues is not only the initial evidence of the Holy Spirit's indwelling presence, but should be a continual experience for the rest of one's life to assist in the worship of God. A flowing stream of praise that shall never dry out, but will enrich the life spiritually. Amen. Spend more time praying in tongues and start today. Be consistent about it and watch how things will come together. Things will get fixed. Things will get sorted. Your life will get ahead. Your finances will feel the effect. Your spiritual life, most importantly, will be charged up. Your marriage, you'll be a better wife, a better husband, a better everything, a better human being. Oh, praying in other tongues. Have a great day. You've been listening to Rema Faith Radio, brought to you by the partners and friends of Rema Nigeria. We offer training in God's Word and in the things of the Spirit for victorious Christian living and success in fulfilling ministry. Go to RemaNigeria.com to find out more on how to become a student or partner of Rema Bible Training Center Nigeria. Please call 081-01-166836. The number again, 081-01-166836. Kenneth Higgins Rema Bible Training Center Nigeria is here just for you.